I have this like funny little thing from like being with friends at clubs and waving to people and I like kind of incorporated it into my everyday life where I'm just like I wave at people I say hi to people it's like act like you're like a member someplace like I'm <laughs> in everyday life in LA and like it's funny like it doesn't ever backfire people like it even if you extend yourself and wave and say hi to someone like it feels good and like then even if they don't reciprocate it's like okay like it's fine Man. you know like we're they got my point message received all good you know and I think like that's mm -hmm. exciting about what's going on with golf it's like people are just excited to be around it and you know I think golf actually understands like hey we're lucky we're like given a second chance in a way there's another side to good health and that's good mental health hey y'all it's Brad November is men's health month and Group Golf Therapy want you to know that we are a safe space. Our DMs are always open. The Discord group, link in bio, is completely free. It's a group of people who are like-minded, who are avid golfers, and are here to support one another. If you ever have questions, comments, concerns, you just need someone to talk to, the Discord group is there for you. I'm really, really excited for this episode with Michael Williams, fashion OG blogger. Drew can probably speak more to that, but Michael, I gotta, I have to tell y'all, Michael is the reason I know Cole Young. I have so much respect for this man and what he's done and what he represents in the fashion world. If you have not, go to acontinuouslean.com and check out his, his site, his blog, where he talks all things fashion and golf and it's this beautiful play. The, the website is, what, Michael, what? What is that? Wix? What you got? Squarespace? This is not an ad for them, but y'all get the point. The, the The site is beautiful and it's it's very informational and I love his writing style. This is a really fun conversation. Michael was off of Bordeaux. Uh, it looked good. He had a goblet. We talked a little bit about childhood, Midwest, industry, and how that's influenced fashion. Michael is so smart. And I really, really think y'all are going to enjoy this episode, which leaves me only one question. Are you playing our balls yet? Right now, if you go to uncommon.golf and use code GGT at checkout, you can get free shipping on your order. Tap in with a continuous lean. Tap in with Michael Williams. Tap in with the shrinks. Hit them straight and mind your golf. You know, it's funny. I went to... We shot this thing in Wisconsin. I did this big Laura Piano like content thing this summer and we were shooting my friend in Wisconsin. And then I had a day, I had basically two days before I needed to come back. And uh, one day I was like, look, I looked at Whistling Straits and they have a, a single tea time at like noon on a Saturday and I had to drive four hours to do it. And I was like, great, I'm, I'm all in. I'm just going to drive it. out there, play it, you know, get paired up with whoever and did and it was really fun it was like a perfect day and um so i i did that and then the next day i was like well i have one other day like maybe i'll go play lasonia or like go figure you know maybe i'll go to sand valley figure something out maybe i'll play in minneapolis with friends because i was kind of flying back out of minneapolis and um i ended up like having to work in a hotel room in wisconsin like all of that sunday and i'm like this is my life like i never i like dream about golf 
90% of the time and I play like 10% of the time. I don't know if that translates to what, to what, how you guys, your experience, but. I think entirely. Yeah. <laughs> Very <laughs> relatable. <laughs> how, how far, I guess this is a question for everyone. How far would you be willing to drive to play golf? I've definitely driven four hours before. Right. Um, that is probably where I will cap it. Okay. I'm probably around the same. It's so from Portland, it's about a four hour drive to Bandon. And that is a drive that I will do three times a week if I must. You know, it's it's like I will <laughs> really? gladly oh, 100%. Really? The, well, it's first a of all, bad the drive, drive is, too. You you think I, I actually really like it's, the drive. It's beautiful, um, but it's yeah. like there's nothing to see. It's kind of like one of those like I attribute it to like New York to like across Pennsylvania. There's like Mm. it's it's wide open Terrible. it's like all interstate but yeah. there's not much there anyway sorry i don't yeah, mean to like you know, I, mean, I i thought the ban- i i thought the portland abandoned drive was really tough i was well, like i just know of, i just know what's on the other end of it and i think yeah, that yeah. that keeps me going you know abandon's like totally sold out for all next year basically. totally booked totally yeah booked. like you can't even like i was like maybe i should get a sprinter van and like get to get a fr- one friend and like we go up and just stay in the sprinter van or they were like you could stay in the town abandoned and i thought that doesn't that seems actually weird and gross <laughs> no <laughs> town abandoned they got a they got Sorry. a crab shack and a and a fish hut and that's about it would you stay someone needs to put like a boutique like a nice hotel in abandoned and it would probably crush i don't it's know true maybe that's like yeah. beyond my pay grade bradford where would you would you drive up to pebble to play it I have. I will. From you did that. I'll be doing you it did. again uh, in December. So uh, I got and room. You play the same day you drive. I'm in. Let me, yeah. Was that an invite? <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let me make some phone calls. I get back to you on that. But <laughs> no, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So I. Um, the answer to your question is no. I drove. Played the next morning. Yeah. Um, it would take. Yeah. Because what is it from L.A.? Eight hours. Eight eight solid hours, yeah. Right. Yeah, you, could, um, wow. you could barely do it. So I was thinking, I have this, th- I have this like thing with Pebble. So there's like you have to stay at the lodge or you have to stay on property, right, to get an advanced yes, time <laughs> at Pebble Beach. But you can get a last minute tea time without staying on the property if you call the day before. Right. And so the trick is that they released the tea times at 7 a.m. Pacific the day before. So what you do is, I mean, West Coast people, this works. East Coast people, it's a little tougher. You call at 7 a.m. the day before. You get a tea time in the afternoon if they have one. Or if you don't, you just you know keep doing it until you get one. Then you just buy the Southwest flight to like San Jose. You fly up that morning. Go play Pebble. Don't stay there stay wherever you could stay in the Bay area and then, or just fly back. And it's like, that's totally possible. And you, that's, if you really wanted to do it, I mean, you could do it that way and it wouldn't be murder. Like in my mind, that's a very viable thing. I don't like have the dream of like going with my four friends, staying in the lodge and playing. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's a multi-thousand dollar excursion, it's a lot. Right? right? I mean, like even the tea time alone is, 550 bucks right yeah yeah it's yeah yeah, it's that's a lot i think that to me the reason i wouldn't want to do that is because i think then your expectations are so high 
that you have to, it has to mm. be amazing, just truly amazing. And then otherwise you're just going to be disappointed. Yeah. But if you kind of go into it with low expectations and this is like a metaphor for life for me, it's like, if you have low expectations, it's probably going to be easier to be happy, you know, or be satisfied with what happens, you know? I was going to ask that. And do you roll that way typically? Like, do you, do you not like to do research about a place before you go see it, whether it's a factory or a restaurant or whatever it is, or do you like to be surprised? I don't know. Like, I think it's hard for me. Generally I have, uh, I like really want to know what something is going to be like. And so I can manage my own personal like craziness around it. Like, I, you know, I think like the reason I'm, sort of into the idea of low expectations is because I have sort of lived a lot where I've been burned by things or disappointed constantly because I sort of expect things to be great. Um, you know, I think like I will certain things I'll like scope out on Instagram and see like all the pictures that are tagged of a certain place. Like I'll definitely book a golf course, book a tea time and then go look at Instagram and see like, what does it look like? Does it look like it's in good shape? You know, I'm like doing that weird stuff, but generally not really. I'm guilty of that too, <laughs> <laughs> especially the beach or the the courses in Orange County, because they're like it could take you an hour and a half, two hours to get there, and you just don't want to be disappointed, especially if you live in LA. It's like, yeah. why would I leave this hub if it's not worth it? That, that's the crazy thing about Southern California golf is that it's you do have to drive sometimes that far just to get a tee time on a yes. day that you want to play. Like, I think you cannot drive, but then you're you're you you're risking a lot in terms of time, it being super slow, it being bad, you know, it just being not as much fun. I think it's like easier to say I'm going to drive to Ojai and play soul park and it's cheap and I know it's going to be good. And it's generally like pretty open mm. uh, versus like, I'm going to save money and time and play one of the LA munis or something public around here. It's a weird place. There's, I think LA is like very unique in that sense that like there's the best golf weather, you know, outside of San Diego, basically like it's just all year round, great golf weather kind of never need to think about it. But the, the, public golf here is really tough. It's really tough. Like there's like three places I'll play that I just like won't go crazy. Otherwise I just don't want to go. Not, not, and I'm not, not being a snob about it. It's just like, does it's just not worth like the time I have to burn like a lot. I have a family mm. and little kids and stuff. It's like, I have to burn a lot of capital to go play golf. So mm. I don't want to go and like have a miserable time, you know? Oh, I do. <laughs> which of the la uh, munis would you like you're like all right i have this this unsatiable itch i have to play today <laughs> i'll bite the bullet i'll play this course you know i'll go to i'll, I'll kind of in that situation i would probably go to penmar um, and play nine and then have a cocktail and put around or like try to get my wife to meet me down there um, when we're done or like meet a friend. Um, I think Penmar is kind of like the place. Then you're like, eh, it's a nine hole. Like you kind of know it's not like anything, anything special, but you're, right. you're like, I'm swinging a club. It's like a full swing. I get the driver. <laughs> That's it. You can hit every club. It's flat. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's easily walkable. It's like, it is, yeah. 
it is the Melba toast of golf courses in Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if you eat know, enough of the Melba go? toast, you'll be full. Where Where would you go? <laughs> I mean, hands down, my favorite course here is Roosevelt because uh, it's it's Penmar on the side of a mountain. That's the one that has Griffith, right? Correct. The, of the observatory. Yes. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to take you here. Oh. We'll Michael, let's sure. do Frothing. it, man. Get these guys down here. Let's do it. I mean, do you guys need miles? What do you need? I have Delta miles. <laughs> I can get you. You might have to stop. You might have to connect through somewhere. But We might need another fine. Todd Snyder job or something like that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to bring it all together. We can make we'll that work. Diamond, diamond points. <laughs> well, well, Michael, this actually is probably the most golf talk on this podcast off rip that we've ever had. That's true. Um, so, you know, let's. I'm um, here for the free therapy. That's yeah. why. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why people come to these things. <laughs> Just don't give our names to your insurance because yeah. they won't like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you guys need to check out my insurance before we get going or we'll do that? We already, after. We already did okay. a background okay. check. Okay. You're clear. Okay, yeah. good. Okay. <laughs> Um, it's it's a prepay actually, so yeah, yeah. Your card's already <laughs> been charged. So, uh, Michael, where did this love of of golf start? I know you're a, a fellow Midwesterner uh, like myself, and uh, winters are tough here. Uh, so it, you weren't you weren't playing golf in January uh, unless you were down in Mexico or Florida. No, uh, I wasn't. I um, you know, I grew up next to a golf course, and I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, on the east side in a suburb. And, uh, it was next to this at the time, a private club, which is now a public golf course, which is actually quite satisfying to be able to Mm. play the place that you sort of thought you would never be able be allowed on. Uh, I grew up in like a very like blue collar house that no one played golf. There was like no thought of golf. It was just, we are the, so I lived like two houses down or three houses down from this golf course. And the, the woods behind my house, like connected to the woods and the golf course. And so I would naturally like go over there all the time and like, I don't know, sneak on, sneak through the fence, find golf balls, like fuck around. Sorry for my language. I don't know if we're allowed to swear or not, but you know, I would like go there and, and, um, and, and just like mess around and like was, you know, really curious about it. And it felt like interesting because it was like a members club. And so that was like kind of my, you know, first experience with golf. But I like, even as a kid was like really fascinated by it for some reason. Like I just always really liked it. I don't know why. And I took lessons a little bit, played a little bit in high school. I went to a, a high school that like didn't have a golf team, you know, it was like just like a very sort of working class place. And I played a little bit in high school, like my, you know, I would like play with my friend. My dad would like drop us off or drop us off at the driving range or whatever. And that was kind of it. And uh, just like always fascinated by the game, but never had like a really direct line into it. And um, certainly wasn't like in my family, in my sort of like social circle, like wasn't a thing. So all of that, like I, I moved to, went to school in Ohio and then I moved to New York City and lived in New York City and never played golf because if you live in the city, it becomes really tough to just, it's hard to find a place to play. It's like, a, you have to have a car. It, it eats up like a whole day by the time you drive to wherever. So I like barely ever played. And then when I met my wife, I kind of started playing with her father-in-law, who's like a like crazy golfer. And uh, just sort of like got back into it in my 30s, weirdly. 
And, uh, and then I've kind of been like transfixed by it ever since. And, you know, just like love the game as like a, you know, I'm just like a fan as much as anyone else, like a degenerate, like, you know, lover of golf and like not trying to make, not trying to go out and like be some amazing thing. It's just like, I'm fixated by it. And that's sort of like where it starts and finishes. So no expectations or low expectations again, show up yeah, in yeah. in how you uh, you approach the game today would you say yeah i mean i i think the way i play i can't have high expectations um, <laughs> I, my my goal my goal with golf was really really simple and and this came out of like so i i kind of got back into it with my father-in-law who retired at like 40 and played 150 rounds of golf for the last 30 years every year played 150 rounds he's like plays tons of golf and he took me out and we would like play at like nice clubs. And I like am a total, you know, have no skill in the beginning and uh, just kind of get back, getting back into it. And it was like, he was super patient and it, you know, he taught me like the rules and etiquette and all this stuff. And my goal, like from that day was like, just go be able to play anywhere with anyone. Now I don't have to play. I don't have to shoot, you know, par I don't have to be amazing. I just need to be able to go and like have fun and play the game. You know, it's like hmm. when you're hitting your driver and you're not hitting it out of bounds, you're like, I'm playing golf. It's like, that's, it's actually happening. And when you're not, you're kind of like, Oh, I don't feel like I'm totally getting the full experience. My whole thought process always was like, just go and be able to like go to some club or go to some muni anywhere and just be able to play. And that's like enough for me. And that's kind of like always just stayed with me. And that's my, that's my sort of outlook thought process at this point. Has that translated to an enjoyable experience when you're on the golf course? Like you don't just in the 15 minutes of knowing you, you don't strike me as someone who would get overly worked up or in. How could you not be nervous? Like we went to, we, we went, we were in for a work thing. We were in Austin, Texas and we got invited to Austin golf club, not Austin country club where they play the, tour event Austin golf club which is Ben Crenshaw's place you know and it's like you're teeing off right by the clubhouse and it's like a serious golf place it's like a club of serious golfers and how could you not be intimidated being there you know like regardless of how good you are you know it has to go through your head a little bit like I could I could just blow this thing into the parking lot you know like every day I'm like that you know it's hard not to like have that thought but it's it's good to be able to I think like go there, tee off respectably, right, mm-hmm. and be like yeah. I can do this, like I have yeah. this, and that is like what I'm looking for. It's not like I need to shoot seventy three. It's mm-hmm. like I can, you know, I'm I'm capable of doing this. It's like enough self like uh, belief in self to be able to just say like I'm not going to embarrass myself today. But also the great thing about golf, if I'm just like going off on this diatribe is that no one's paying any attention to what you're doing. Everyone's just thinking about themselves and no one cares like what you do, how you hit it. If you play fast, like no one cares. That's the beauty of it. You know, that's so true. I think that's something that people don't really think about in golf is because you're so, you're so hyper-focused on yourself and your game. When you're playing, your playing partners don't care. 
about how you're playing. Except for that first team, man. That's such a that's such a specific yeah. old school country club thing. The first tee, literally like right in front of the clubhouse, in front of where mm-hmm. everyone sits and has their cocktails. The the course that I caddied at growing up in Boston had that exact same thing. First tee right in front of where everyone sits. And Tuesday was days that caddies could play the golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, but members would still be sitting right on the first tee, right? Having their, having their drinks, smoking their cigars, watching you like a vulture, you know, just, <laughs> just up in your grill, just waiting for you to, to snap hook one into the pool. And uh, that is a nervy feeling, especially if you're not used to, if you don't feel like you belong at this place. Right. So yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a nervous feeling. We should unpack that. Like, what is that thing? Whether it's the architect who designed the golf course or the clubhouse, why why'd you do that to us? I think it's a, it's got to be a spatial thing, right? I mean, like, I yeah. there's plenty of acreage That's, out there, though. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I think they I think they put it there because they're like, it's some dickery. Yeah, yeah. if you yeah. if you come in here, you know, I'm I'm gonna let you know it's what's the, up as soon as you step on the first tee. Right. <laughs> it's Ooh, free entertainment for that's the diabolical. Yeah. <laughs> but I think like we've all the nice thing is about like anyone that's been around golf and the way I feel now, just having played X amount of rounds in my life and being fairly proficient at this point, I think, you know, whatever bad thing you you could do, I have done. And mm. we've all been there. We've all like done ridiculous things and amazing things. And, and that's kind of like the beauty of it. And if I saw someone do it, I'd be like, shit, I've, I've been there too. Like mm. I've totally, you know, whatever bad shot you could hit off any tee or anything I've done. And I still do. And it's like, I don't, you know, it doesn't phase me. And I don't like look at someone and think like, oh, you know, I wouldn't say this about Bradford because Bradford always hits it straight and far. But, um, <laughs> y- you know, like anyone else i'd say you know i've 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 been there and done that so i i can i can empathize with you i appreciate you saying that michael uh, for all of our <laughs> listeners to hear you have a pretty swing it's true fit for tv <laughs> <laughs> have you guys had like the playoff where like you you all like then just go out and have like a full grudge match or what and drew like then smokes everyone or like have you guys done that i don't know connor i don't know your game i don't the reality is that's probably what would happen that is what would happen. Um, also, the three <laughs> of us have never played 18 holes of golf together. So Yeah, we've played a lot of holes, but never a full... We, we haven't even played nine together. We've played handfuls of golf yeah. together. <laughs> we've played, I think we've yeah. played six holes twice, uh, yeah. nine holes once at yeah, we did, a we very, did play very nine, short hole. Yeah, we did very play nine course. with Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, that's a that's a good idea. A little group golf therapy challenge match yeah. kind of situation. I, I think you. This is the true mark of friendship. Like you guys, it's not just based on golf. I'm sure you have friends that you're like. I kind of just see them when I play golf, but we're actually real mm-hmm. friends, right? So, you, right. Yeah. I have I have some friends who are who I'm I'm much closer with in the summer than I am in the winter. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you just don't see them for for three months. Yeah. Right. Five right. Months. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you still live here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. And these guys I talk to every day and, and love them dearly. But uh, when the time comes, like when we're playing 18 holes, like they can get the smoke. Like yeah, it's gloves off. It's, it's whatever. Well, glove on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Gloves off and then one, gloves off and then one glove on. Head, head covers off. Head covers off. Yeah. Iron covers yeah. off. No, yeah. I'm kidding. Uh. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's interesting. We uh we all the three of us talk every single day. Um and we rarely talk about our golf game, um, which is never I think the yeah, was, that and that's it's the wild. beautiful thing about Are we talking too much golf now? This is a lot of golf. No. Thanks for coming we, on. Yeah, <laughs> it's been real, Michael. Um <laughs> We we unpacked where golf came from, but I'm I'm also interested where your enthusiasm for fine things comes yeah. from. It sounds like, you know, you said blue collar household growing up in Ohio, but you strike me as a as an enthusiast, as a romantic, maybe even um, a lover of fine artisanal products. Where does that come from for you? <laughs> Um, that was a well-researched question. Thank you. Um, you know, I think that I'm, I'm the foremost expert in like really great, uh, truck stops and Brunello Cuccinelli, which is the world's weirdest pairing of things uh, of all time. I, I don't really know like where it all comes from, but you know, I grew up in this place that, and I think a lot of like my interests are you know, just sort of, it's, it's like a weird fit for me and it just sort of happened. And I'm, but I'm, I think the root of like where I've sort of what I've done with, I, so I started up, I was like the first menswear blogger, right. Which is like a weird thing to say and sort of embarrassing in a way. Um, but also like was a thing. I was like the first one that like ever kind of did it. And real journalists at the time were like nervous about the emergence of blogs and which was kind of funny. Um, so a lot of that happened because I grew up in this place that was, you know, this like post-industrial world, which is, yeah. you know, so I grew up in Cleveland. It's not all that different than Milwaukee and Detroit and Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and, you know, a lot of places like in the Midwest. And, you know, like I grew up around a lot of people that made things and mm. big factories that you could not drive by and not wonder like what's happening in there. What is what do they do? Like they make things, they take raw steel and make a car body or they, whatever it is like that stuff to me was always really fascinating. And I grew up in a place and watched all of that sort of disappear and get like moved offshore. Like in Cleveland, they were shutting all the steel mills down when I you know, was growing up and coming of age. And so to me, that was like, why is this happening? What do they do there? Like these buildings are amazing. Like I'm sort of transfixed by them. So that sort of like I was interested in the world and why things happen like that and where things came from and how they're made. And then I moved to New York and I worked kind of in the media world and kind of worked in the clothing world. And I just sort of took all of that and sort of combined it and said, mm. I wonder like the things that we wear, where does it come from? Who makes it? Why is it this way? I was asking all these questions. And then I started going to Japan. I worked for this Japanese company. And I started going to Japan and they would have these magazines that were just like one magazine just based on workwear and like work clothing. And I was like, how could any place have a magazine that's hmm. just about workwear? It's such a weird topic to like devote an entire magazine to. And and I thought like, wow, this is like really interesting. And they'd be like in the factories of like these old companies that make classic workwear. And I thought this is interesting. Like there's an angle to this and it's for me, it was like, I'm going to do this as a blogger. And so I started writing about, you know, like my favorite shoe factory or, you know, the company that's been doing things the same way forever. And that to me is like really special, you know, and it's like not 
they're putting all their all everything's in the product. It's not marketing. You're not getting gamed by them. You're like they're selling you this really well made, beautiful thing. And so I kind of just like you know dug into that and like didn't know what I was doing and just started writing about it and it became this thing and it wasn't ever premeditated. It wasn't you know I had no idea what I was doing and just sort of did it and it worked and. I looked out and the timing was good and it became really popular. And so that to me, like is kind of how it all like came full circle. And I'm very much interested in like the things that you own, where do they come from? Who are the people that made them, you know, in our like very transient, like consumer materialistic world, like no one thinks much about like what goes into the things that they make. Like I went to the Titleist ball plant, you know, I'm like curious, like, well, how do they make these things? It's, such a weird world like we, we're so disconnected from everything we use you know so it's like to know that there's like a factory these are the people that work at the factory that have been there forever like that's to me fascinating would you say you've always had a curious mind because those are very specific very interesting questions to ask growing up in right. a, a blue collar town so I'm, I'm curious where your curiosity came from you know i so i worked for my dad we did like like landscaping, construction, manual labor. He like forced me to work for him at age 14 and I didn't have a choice and he paid me. And, but like, it was tough. And my dad was like really tough on me. And he was, it was, I was never like the boss's son. I was like the boss's son that gets like everything gets treated worse because he would like see me and be, and say like, it's your responsibility to make sure everything goes well. Right. And I'm like, dad, I'm like 14. Like I can't, you know, these are like grown men I'm working with. And, um, and you know, we would go in the morning, we would have breakfast at this place that was like a third shift bar. And the guys that worked at the plant down the street would come in after work, after working all night and they would have their happy hour, like at six, seven in the morning. Right. When we would be in there having breakfast and, I was like, this is so weird that this is happening. You know, like it's, it's, that that's like a, it's just like a strange thing to see. And it makes you wonder like, why are they here? Why are they drinking at seven in the morning? And like, what are they doing all night? And then you're like, what do they do in that building? I don't know. Like, I guess I am curious. Like it, all this stuff is like, do you ever drive around LA and wonder like, what is that building? Like, what are they doing in there? All the time. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering if maybe there's some some sadness or emotion attached to that initial question as well about you know growing up in the Midwest and there's all this industry and and then it's gone right it leaves and so all of these buildings are left sort of vacant and mm-hmm. you know you maybe are asking yourself like well where where are the things being made now and who's making them and why yeah, I mean, I think when, as a post-industrial country, when everything goes to one place to be made, I don't know, like, I, th- I think if you traveled to Sweden and everything you buy there is, like, some by some American company or made in China or whatever, like, it's not, I'm not picking on any country for doing whatever, but I think, like, it becomes, like, wow, like, the world is so vanilla that everywhere I go, I see the same things and there's like no regional differences or like, we don't, you know, I think if in America, like the, in the Midwest, like the, all, a lot of that like industrial past is like very much like tied into like the culture of the place in a way. Mm. And I think it becomes like interesting when it's, 
when that's all gone and why did it consolidate into, I mean, look, I, I can go like very deep in this stuff and I like have thought about it a lot, but you know, I think it's interesting when everything consolidates in like a few countries in the world and everything is made in one place, but you know, like bringing it back a little bit full circle to golf and to Portland, Connor, you know, I think if I look at a McKenzie, I, I, I'm, my first thought is always like, I would love to go to that workshop and see how this stuff is made. You should. You know, it's like, they still do it. Like, it's pretty cool that like, they're still doing it here. And to me, it's like worth every penny that to pay for those bags because they're still doing it here. And, you know, it's a different, uh, buying a McKenzie bag is a different value proposition than buying some other bag. Every golf bag is made in like one, one factory in one place, you know, like right. by every brand. Right. So like, to right. me, it's like, this is like a kind of the weird oddball thing. And like that, that's kind of interesting in a lot of ways to me because it's different, you know, it's like sort of, mm-hmm. you're not just like, and then when you go someplace and you have one of those bags, you're kind of like, Oh, that's, you know, this, this person is like non-conforming and it's not, it's different, you know? And I think it stands yeah. out. Like, I like that idea. Well, to, to even take the golf example a step further, specifically with golf courses, I mean, you could build, you could make a Nike shoe anywhere in the world, right? Like it, it just takes having the resources. You could put that, those resources in a factory anywhere in the world, right? And you'll make the same shoe. Mm-hmm. But you can't build Bandon Dunes in Palm Desert, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. there's, there's regionality associated with golf and golf courses and golf culture mm-hmm. that might be thinning a bit, but at the end of the day, you can only play true links golf in Scotland. You can't, you can't play that in Arizona. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, the closest you can get in America, right. Is, is Bandon. Right. I mean, there's like inland links, like we were talking about the other day, a friend, friend of mine, Sand Hills and, um, yeah. Valley Bunyan. Is that right? No, Valley Neal. Neal, Sorry. (laughs) You know, it's like, there is like versions of that. And then Bandon's like the only real like coastal, Lynx golf in America that's like close because the way the ground is. Um, but yeah, nothing can replicate that. And like the Palm Desert thing, it's like you, you know, I played so much golf out there in the Coachella Valley, and it's like the purest golf courses. Like when they overseed, it's it's all sand, it's mm-hmm. highly watered, it's like perfect, perfect shit. And it's a thing, it's like a very American thing. You know, and you're like, some days I'm like totally up for that. Some days I'm like, I'd love to be like playing it on the ground in the UK. Right. And it's like that, that's like the, it's, I always think about baseball. It's like every baseball stadium is different, right? Like the outfield's different everywhere. And like that to me is like a really fun quirk of the game. And like golf is great because it's like the same game played on like the ultimate variation Mm -hmm. of like terrain and, you know, culture, environment, wind, people, everything, you know, like that to me is, is incredible. Yeah. I think that was one thing when Brad and Connor came to Wisconsin a few months ago that they were able to, you know, we, we, we played all over the state. We played from Milwaukee up to green Bay, all the way back down to Madison. And the one through line through the, the golf that we played and the people that we met was community. Um, and, and we, uh, you know, we met all different uh, people from all different walks of life. And I thought that that was uh, just a true testament of like Wisconsin and uh, like the Midwest 
and that's not something that you you get necessarily you know everywhere you play golf or everywhere you live so for me that was exactly like what you just said it's it's nice to like it was nice to see my home state through through other people's eyes through um and and i think yeah whenever you're you're able to play golf in a new uh region or part of the country or part of the world part of the globe it's uh yeah you're just open to new people and new experiences and and uh you know you learn a little bit about yourself and about you know others connor i don't know about you man but when we played wisconsin i was blown away about how green everything was yeah wisconsin is the greenest state and i grew up in the garden state yeah (laughs) you're from yeah (laughs) wisconsin has the greenest greens i've ever seen yeah and even coming from portland right like the pacific northwest is incredibly green and lush and in the summer now it's getting burnt out and brown so yeah i i totally agree that was a that was a surprise as well for me you know, Drew, we, we had one day we played, um, we had one extra day when we were in Milwaukee for the Ryder Cup, or we stayed in Milwaukee, but, so we had, like, the Monday before, we had, like, a 6 p.m. flight, so we're like, let's, we were going to go up to, my friend is good friends with Mason Crosby, who's the kicker on the Green Bay Packers, and he's like, Mason's, you know, like, going to host us up in Green Bay, and I'm like, this is, you know, that's, is, this is amazing, like, great. And they in Green Bay, the Packers the night before ended up playing San Francisco Sunday night football. They played late, so on the West Coast, so they weren't going to really make it back in time. So we ended up not playing with him. So we kind of like booked like whatever we could in Milwaukee, which was ended up at a place called Deer Park. Do you know that mm-hmm. golf course? Yeah, yeah. It was like where Tiger had like his first PGA Tour win, basically mm-hmm. at the Greater Milwaukee Open. Yeah, and we and I, I don't know what it cost, like seventy five bucks or something. It was like amazing conditions. Everyone was super friendly. The range was like grass range with like no one on it. And mm. like everything was just so great. And I'm like, man, I, I seriously thought, and honest to God, I'm like, Drew has it really good. Milwaukee <laughs> playing golf. We, yeah, we're extremely lucky. And whenever I hear people in LA talk about how they can't get a tea time, I'm like, I could throw a rock and get a tea time. Any, I could, I could, I could, it's I could a, throw almost, a rock at a starter and walk right on the golf course. It's almost 11 PM and I'm sure I could just walk out into a golf course and they, they, they turn on the, they turn on the lights for me. Hey y'all, this is Brad and Connor. Andrew. We wanted to take a quick second and thank you for listening. It truly means a lot to us and we want you to know that you're loved and you're welcomed here. And if you ever need a listening ear, to vent, or just to talk to somebody who cares, we want to remind you that group golf therapy is a safe space. Our DMs are always open at group golf therapy on Instagram. Hit them straight and mind your golf. What excites you about the current generation of golf and, and where, where golf is at right now? I think it's exciting that so many different types of people are into golf and, I mean, different perspectives on golf, too. Um, it's, you know, I think it's, it's interesting. Like if I could play nine holes, it's fine. Right. Like, I don't care. I don't need to play 18. If, you know, I like to walk, but like, if you, you know, there's like a, there's like the bros that want to ride in a car and smoke a cigar, have transfusions. Fine. You know, like I'm cool with that. Like, however, whatever you can do, like, we're all just here trying to like be happy and in a good place. And like, I think, 
that like that's really exciting to me that like that it's happening and it's like you don't have to be like this hardcore white belt golf person to <laughs> like enjoy the game or be legitimate and it's like you could be any person from any walk of life like you know it's funny i have this like funny little thing from like being with friends at clubs and waving to people and i like kind of incorporated it into my everyday life where i'm just like i wave at people i say hi to people it's like act like you're like a member someplace like I'm <laughs> in everyday life in LA and like it's funny like it doesn't ever backfire people like it even if you extend yourself and wave and say hi to someone like it feels good and like then even if they don't reciprocate it's like okay like it's fine Man. you know like we're they got my point message received all good you know and i think like that's mm-hmm. exciting about what's going on with golf it's like people are just excited to be around it and you know, I think golf actually understands like, Hey, we're lucky. We're like given a second chance in a way. And, uh, you know, it's like a lot of people came in and like took a chance on us and like, we stepped up, you know, that's like kind of what it felt like during the pandemic. And so I think like, that's exciting to me to see. It's like so many different sort of walks of life, you know, on the golf course, which is cool. Connor, I think you talked about waving regardless of if it's reciprocated. Yeah, I I was gonna say, um, and and really quickly, I like I like the way you just said what you said. In the pandemic, um, people came in to try us, and we stepped up. Something mm. along those lines. I think that's a really, mm-hmm. really good point. Golf boomed, and it's lasting. And I think that's that's what people were worried about. Was like, okay, we're mm-hmm. booming now when everything else is shut down, but is this going to last? Like, are we going to, is, is capital G golf going to like <laughs> fuck this one up mm. again? And they did <laughs> mostly, mostly <laughs> they, they but, may try, but, <laughs> but yes. Um, it, it, whenever I go to a nice golf course, public or private, just an, a nice golf course where I know I have a, I have a general idea of like the types of folks that I'm going to see at this place. Right. I do a wave test just to just to get a sense of <laughs> the culture, what I'm what I'm stepping into. I, I try to wave at as many people as I can. I tabulate it. I keep track and and I rate it on a 10 point scale to see what, <laughs> like how, how and friendly and, and familiar it. everybody is with me. <laughs> but yeah, so I like I like the waving for sure. <laughs> Michael, you talk about um, the different types of people get into golf, different perspectives. Um you started out as like the OG blogger in mm-hmm. the, in the fashion space. Um, I think now, you know, as the emergence of brands like Rada or Metalwood or Stoic or I'm sure I'm free burning cart society. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You're starting to see pop-ups of different tastes yeah. as the OG fashion blogger what is slash are your opinions on seeing these little brands starting to pop up and become relevant? And where do you see that taking us uh, in fashion, in golf, uh, as a collective? So let me premise all this by saying I'm literally, as I've already gone over this, a like middle-aged dad of two from Cleveland, Ohio. So like consider your source, right? Just want to, you know, that's my sign this waiver before you accept any advice. That my man's in New Balances um, right now. <laughs> I live in, I live in New Balances. I sleep in them. No, you know, I think 
I think it's cool to see what's happening with little brands in golf and like the little Rada's solo golf, all these companies, you know, Cole and Metalwood, like they're going to drag the big brands like into doing things that are much, much more relevant and like much closer to like what's actually happening in the culture. I come from this world and like I mostly work and consult and my like day job and history is in menswear. And so I see where menswear is at. And then I look at golf and I see golf like 10 years behind. Right. So it's so far behind. It's like incredibly, you know, it's first of all, it's like a complex thing because golf has like a different distribution and golf is very challenged. Like it's like country clubs and, you know, Dick Sporting Goods is like the Barneys of golf. Like there's no like good <laughs> golf store. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's, so it's like, it's, it's kind of a unique situation in a case study, but I think all these little brands are like infusing like a lot of personality into golf. They're like much more willing to like express themselves in real ways. They're like following like their own, they're much more, much closer to like what's actually happening in menswear, following that world and other cultural things that are going on. So like, to me, it's exciting to see things that are like actually tying back to relevant cultural moments or things that are happening versus like the, you know, the opinion of some, you know, non-professional retailer, like in some country club in some place that's dictating like what's happening mm-hmm. for all of golf. Um, but I also feel like I sometimes see like the whole like hoodie thing, like in, in the Ryder Cup uniforms, they're like wearing cashmere hoodies. Like, I don't know, part of me thinks like this is just like absurd and like wearing a hoodie like doesn't make you like wearing a cashmere hoodie, like doesn't like make you any more relevant to like what's happening in culture or fashion. And like, it actually like, to me backfires a little bit, like Hmm. that plays as like desperate and weird versus like (laughs) actually like relevant. Like if they're wearing like Amelie Andori hoodies, like maybe let's talk about like what's going on, you know? Now you have my attention. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I think it's just like weird. Some of this like is just, thirsty and weird and like i don't you know i i can't buy into it but like the the little brand stuff that happens like i'm i'm here for it like i love it i think it's great the weirder it is the better you know it's like that's all about that like self-confidence of like being yourself representing like what you stand for and like i would never bradford like i would never expect you to go into golf and be like i have to eject all of my personal style or aesthetic preferences because I'm doing this thing, Mm -hmm. you know, like to me, that would be like, what? Like, that's not who you are. Like be who you are here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the important thing. Right. And those little brands do that, which is cool. Beautifully said. Uh, I, I had to learn that along the way. And I think golf does that to us. Uh, capital G yeah. golf does that to us, not the actual. We have game. to unlearn the style trauma that Capital G golf puts <laughs> us under. That's like a whole nother therapy session. Exactly, you, you have through. to, you have to, yeah, get some exposure therapy and like, <laughs> I don't know, go to Fashion Week and be like, oh shit, like Dem Johns would bang on the golf course. Right, like, <laughs> give me, give me those. <laughs> you know, I also think like Macklemore. Like, here's an example. Like the whole Bogey Boys thing. Like I'm not, I would never wear that stuff in a million years. Would never do that. Mm -hmm. Right. 
but I also like I can appreciate what it is. And like if that's what you feel comfortable wearing and you're happy and in your you're in your happy place, I'm cool with that. Like I can be cool with like whatever anyone wants to wear and do on a golf course as long as it like doesn't ruin what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. the the Connor, what you're saying is like the there's golf is a very conservative thing. And there's like a lot of pressure to conform around golf in, in, in a lot of ways. And what you're wearing is a big one of them, which mm. is funny. And I like have this quote, I did this thing with Mr. Porter and they were like, I don't know. They like wrote the story and I was like, golf is like the worst dressed sport yet. Like they're the most aggressive sport telling you what to wear, right. which is like hilarious. Yeah. It's hilarious. So, yeah. Yeah. Wear our corny like clothes. Absurd. Yeah. It's like you have, you can't be here unless you're like wearing our corny ass shit. Like, <laughs> I'd rather not if, if that's okay. That's, that's such a good point. I, I think there is a lot of trauma and, and it's, it's crazy that it's trauma induced by, uh, clothing choices. Like whenever I whenever I play golf wearing a t-shirt, I feel like I need to be extra polite and mm. you know fix f- fifteen divots <laughs> on the green just so people don't think that I'm out there to you know tear up the golf course and right. you know break yeah. shit out there. Um, yeah, and and I think that that we're moving in the direction where you see someone wearing a t-shirt on the course and you don't immediately think they're just here to, to fuck up stuff out here, you know? Yeah. And I, and I said trauma like jokingly, but also not at all because like I've, I've been kicked off of a golf course for not wearing a belt before. Like what? I've been, I've been kicked off. I was kicked out of a caddying job because my socks were yellow and not white. What the fuck is that? Are you kidding me? What are we like that's doing? Tra- that's that, that's like a that was a, a moment of trauma for me that I had to like be like okay now I I must conform moving forward and then to you have to unlearn that and break the cycle yeah. of abuse <laughs> capital legitimately is straight yeah. up. All that being said, if you are paired up with a man that's wearing denim cargo pants. That's a bad sign. That means that you should just you don't you just bail day. out. Yeah. You just bail out. You don't go. That's going to be a long round. That's what that means. That's right. But I but I think it goes back to what you were saying, Michael, about like um, th- this thing with golf fashion goes back to what you were saying about the way that people are playing the game. Just do it. Do it your own way. Like just just be yourself. Show up as you. And as long as it's not impacting me, that's fine. Just don't be evangelical about the way that you play or what you must wear. Just be you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you go to a place like Marion and it's like very, you know, they, they're they very strict in terms of like the dress code, and the rules and the etiquette and everything else. Uh, no cover, undercover, like wearing your hat under the awning, mm-hmm. like, which is frowned upon or whatever. You know, it's like you're kind of signing up for that. Like, it's kind of interesting if that's happening, right? And and it's their club, and like that, let them do what they want to do. It's their place. Like, who am I? I'm as a guest. Like, I'm there, and mm-hmm. it's interesting. But like, generally, I think it's not like you. It would, it's much more enjoyable to just sort of be who you are, and you know, not have to worry about like the pressure of conformity you know by capital g golf which i've never actually said that capital g golf but i think that makes a lot of sense welcome <laughs> to capital g group golf therapy 
<laughs> where we analyze and unpack uh, all things capital G golf. <laughs> so I had a meeting with a media company, like a big magazine, golf magazine. And this is a few years ago. And I was talking about what kind of I was doing with ACL golf, this like website that I'm doing. And, and, and I was saying, you know, this is sort of, I see there's like a big golf industrial complex, like the big golf companies like mm-hmm. control golf and in a way that like trickles down very strangely to places that I'm not comfortable. And, you know, and I was saying this and they just were staring at me, looking at me like they had no idea what I was talking about. Like they had no idea that big companies were running golf. And it was, that was like pretty shocking and awakening. You know, that was like a big awakening for me. Like, that these people just don't, they're so close to it, they don't see it. Mm, yeah. Anyway, there go your sponsors. So <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I guess Titleist just dropped us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shoot. There goes Callaway. There goes Callaway. I love Callaway. The Apex Pros are great. What are you talking about? Right, right. Yeah. We, we, we don't, we're yeah. not tripping about that over here. <laughs> Use code capital G GOLF for 30% off. <laughs> right. Titleist. <laughs> for a free fitting. Michael, wow. I have a scenario to pose to you. Okay. Um, I am poor. How do I buy good golf clothing? Golf clothing is not really expensive. First of all, uh, well, that looks you good. Could go, you could go to Uniqlo. Okay, mm. that's that's the first thing I would say. It's my pull up choice. Yeah, Uniqlo's totally totally passable. Everything's fine. You know, you could do that. Mm. You could buy on, you know, Grailed or. Depop or eBay, you could buy some pre-owned shit, mm, mm-hmm. uh, which would work, and you could get something. Um, I don't think like golf. You could also just have a few things. You don't need a million things. Have two pairs of shorts and two polo shirts. I think you'd probably be all right, you know. And like mm-hmm. one sweater, and like probably you can repurpose some things that you already own for other things that would work fine for golf. You know, I, I end up like wearing most of the time, like mostly clothes that I just wear in regular life. And like my biggest goal in golf is like just to wear clothes that I already wear for other things and not to have golf wardrobe. I'm not, my heart rate's not getting up. I'm probably drinking. Like I can wear <laughs> the pants that I already own. It's going to be fine. You know, like people wore suits to play golf before. Like it's, yeah. I'm good. With tires. Isn't that wild? <laughs> With ties, yeah. Like, tucked in, too. Like heavy tweed. And yeah, a vest. Exactly, tucked in. Yeah. It's, you know, I think, like, it's not, as much as Nike, you know, wants, and Adidas and everyone else, like, wants you to think that, like, it needs to be mega performance, I just don't, I don't think it's that important. Unless you're, like, in Pinehurst in August, which I was, and then you want to kill yourself. So, like, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. You're, just, you're miserable anyway. Yeah, ain't no cotton touch my skin uh, Pinehurst in, in August. That's not going to yeah. happen. There, there was a guy we were with, like, playing in cotton. He was, like, looked as miserable as we were. And I was wearing dry fit, you know? Yeah, and I was probably like, bring I him out at the end of the, at the round. Yeah, it's like a wash at that point. You know, it's like we're all like everyone's gross, like, you know, probably marginally better if you're wearing dry fit. But I think a lot of that stuff is like a myth, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like I wear Oxford shirts like most of the time. Like I don't need to wear sweatsuits like I'm okay, you know, like but that's like my personal preference. I think I don't think like you need to spend a lot of money to like buy things that fit you well and 
you know, I think you literally cannot, no brand could fuck with Uniqlo when it comes to product and in terms of quality for money, like just straight up. So like, that's where I would just send you there with your, you could, you could take 38 bucks to Uniqlo, come home with like a whole bag of clothes. Well answered, Michael. Yeah. I think that was that was yeah. comprehensive. That was good. As a as a very observant person, Michael, I'm I'm excited to ask you this question. What are your favorite golf smells? I don't you know, it's funny, I, I was thinking about this a little bit and I don't know that I have them. I, I really have the like cut grass smell that I just like love in in life in general and I'm happy to be a, a resident of Los Angeles and smell that, you know, fairly regularly. Um that is one thing. And then, you know, there's, I'm sure Bradford, you spent a lot of time at Rustic Canyon, uh, in Moore park. There's like a sage smell mm. that happens at rustic that is just beautiful. And I don't know. And like, it's, it's one of those things that now I've like associated with the place. Mm. And a lot of times with like very quiet, like happy walks and that, like if I smell at other places, I very much drive back. So I think that's kind of it. Like the, Cut grass, which I love, um, and uh, and the sagey thing that goes on at Rustic, which is beautiful. Left fairway, hole number one. Spent a lot of time uh, <laughs> over there. <laughs> Talk to us about ACL. What do you got going on? Being like one of the first mentor bloggers, which is, again, hilarious to say. And like when I met my wife, I told her parents, like, oh, I'm, a, I'm a blogger. And you know, I could see the like disappointment wash over their face. Immediately, like, no. Not no. who they I thought their little princess was going to ever end up with. But, um, you know, so like I've done that sort of for the most part, with, with the exception of like three years where I was like in my full degenerate golf mode, I've like done that site like forever. And uh, so it's like turned into a newsletter that I published that's like subscriber based. And I talk about, I talk about like buying things that last a long time and sort of looking at value a different way. And I also talk about bigger ideas like the paradox of choice and like empathy and like bigger things sometimes like in, in our sort of like very evolved consumer materialistic universe that we live in. So, which is kind of funny to talk about clothes and things that you buy and like a, you know, be a sort of materialistic oriented site, but also like rejecting that in a way. Um, so I do that. And then I write, I do this ACL golf thing, which is like an editorial sort of intersection of like more lifestyle things and golf and, um, and uh, which will eventually evolve into like being a little bit of an e-commerce thing. Um, and it's, it's really fun and it's not like anything I do to get free shit or get on golf courses. I only do it for like the love of the good story that I can sort of dig up. Michael, the only reference I have for Cleveland musicians, Cleveland artists is Scott Mescody, my favorite, one of my favorite rappers ever goes by the name of Kid Cudi. It's not, it's not bone thugs in harmony. It's disappointing. Uh, and it is definitely not it's both. Not mach- are we- it's not Machine Gun it's Kelly. M- MGK. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're walking up to the first tee, you know, you, you're at this this course where you're teeing off in front of the members while they're eating their Greek salads. <laughs> what, what is your what is your walk up music? Salad. I mean, I think it's like I, I think I'm going to go with some like reggaeton. I mean, to be honest, Ooh. just to like really fuck everyone up and like bring the like gasolina 
I think probably. Daddy. I don't know. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be like a bad. I think it's going to be like a bad bunny situation. Oh to be my honest. god! Wow. Just wow. like for weirdness. That is um, amazing. I don't think I'm going to go with like anything. I'm a, hopefully I'm at like Indian Creek in Miami. You know, and the Kushners are like having the their own old Palmers <laughs> and their salads, mm-hmm. and uh, and and then the Bad Bunny comes on, and it just everyone feels weird. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's like the ideal situation. I love that. That is the ideal situation. Speaking of Greek salad, <laughs> wow. what would be on your champions dinner menu? Okay, so I was thinking about this. I, I think this is like a tough thing because you you need to like work within the constraints of like the kitchen uh, at Augusta National, so. I would probably say, like, we would keep it really simple and, like, have steak, like some Wagyu type of thing Mm -hmm. that's, like, super simple. And, like, when in this, like, American, very traditional American place, like, do this very traditional American thing. And they have, like, the wine cellar that's incredible. So, like, hopefully we'll get something out of there. But um, I don't think, like, all of those, all of those, like, themed dinners, like, when they release the menu, to me, it's, like, it's really hard to, like, do anything interesting um, like with that and, uh, it always kind of gets boiled down in like a funny way. Um, but yeah, like I think something probably super simple would, mm-hmm. would be the, would be the go-to. I don't know that. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm curious, like what other people have said about this. Well, I'd say we leave it, sometimes we leave it a little bit more open-ended as well. Um, and not necessarily just to the constraints of the Augusta national kitchen, to just mm. a, more of an overarching, if you right. had your druthers, what would what what is the ideal Michael Williams uh, meal? I'm not like a really like I I love like all different types of food and like my favorite food is probably like Korean food, but I wouldn't like Korean food would probably not be the thing I would pick. But there is a place that's in uh, in Florence that they serve like bistecca Florentina, like the traditional like is it steak Dario Cecchini's place. No, I have been to that place though, and uh, that place is amazing. It's like in Tuscany. Yes. Um, it's like outside of the city. And I have met Dario like weirdly and Red Heat, which he's like a big part in that book. Um, I went to this, I went to a winery called Fontodi, and the owner of the winery took me to Dario's place, and like we had like steak tartare with him. He like came over, it was like wild. It just like weirdly happened. Wow. Um but there's a place called uh, Fagioli, which is like the beans, like Del Fagioli. So, which is like a little locals, like Florentine steakhouse. And they serve, and you have like the super thick, super rare, like super salty steak, like crispy on the outside, very like chewy, rare inside. And then you have like Italian, like you have pasta with it. And it's like the perfect, perfect, perfect thing. Uh, and like that, if I could just like do, if I could get any meal of all time in front of me at some point on demand, that would be it. At this dinner, you can. Yes, this dinner, it's your dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I would do. I, you know, maybe we would fly Dario and we'd have the good wine. You know, the wine cellar at Augusta is like insane. So like, I'm sure we'd be drinking like amazing wine. Do you have uh, any stories of uh, a time where you laughed really hard on the golf course? You know, I have like a couple, I have one trip of friends that's kind of like my oldest like golf group of friends and that we've gone on a bunch of like buddies trips with. And all of those are like just filled with like the inside jokes of like years and years and years. And like those are the times that like I think about that's like, you know, just absurd things happening like and just years and layers and layers of like jokes and 
And like, those are the things that like, I really, I think like, I can't pinpoint one moment, but like all of those sort of adventures, like with close friends are, are kind of like the best days when you kind of have like no responsibility with your family, with your work. And you're just kind of like, everything's out there in front of you. And like, you get to enjoy like that camaraderie. Those are like the best, the best things. And like the times that we would laugh the most for sure. This is sort of an unofficial, official GGT Bones question, but what are some of your goals for the coming year or things you would like to work on from a mental health perspective? You know, it's um, one of the things like sometimes I'll talk about on my newsletter um, because I talk about like some fatherhood things and, um, you know, I'm like pretty honest about like the value in like actually talking to someone or like going to see a therapist or like having those conversations and not being like embarrassed by it. Right. And, you know, I certainly like go talk to a therapist. Like I, I talked to my therapist like today and like, I have really tough days and I have really good days. And, um, you know, I think it's like working on anything else in your life, in your health, you know, it's like, it's a very, very valid thing that I think, sometimes can be like stigmatized in a way that makes people think like I'm weak to do that. Or like I, there's something wrong with me then I can't face it. Or like, you know, I honestly grew up in a house that was like avoiding the doctor was like a thing, you know, Mm -hmm. like with my dad and like, I would see him like would never want to confront like health things probably out of fear, you know? And I think like in men, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, this is my guess, but I think, I feel like it's like sort of discouraged to like, be um be open about like your mental health or to be uh open about getting proper medical care in certain situations and whatever it's like a weird thing to even say like um you know i think women are just like better at that than than men sometimes and in my sort of like general view um and i so i think like the you know within the year it's like to keep you know focusing on it and like always being willing to like try to be open to get, you know, to improve or to be more stable or, you know, it's like not be depressed. It's like you're a dad. It's like hard not to be, you know, like to have your life. Like when you have kids, like you're just like speaking about where I'm at in my life, your life really goes from being about you to being about other people. And it's hard to deal with that. And I think it's hard to accept that. And it's hard to, you know, it's like golf plays right into this. If we're really like talking about it, it's like I used to go play whenever I wanted and I didn't care how long I was there and it didn't matter. And now it matters tremendously. And it's like, I can't do it. And I'm highly limited in when I can. Mm -hmm. And it's not really about being able to play golf. It's more about like the, the thoughts of like, this isn't my life anymore. It's not about me. And that's hard. And it's hard to give that up. And I think like, you know, for me, like in the next year, like to try to focus on like, you know, just like continuing to grow into that sort of life. It's, it's, it's not easy, you know, and I think it mm-hmm. takes work and it's good to talk to people about it. And I think what you guys are doing and making this like a thing that's just widely like accepted and good, like in out there is like a huge first step for a lot of people. Hmm. That's really kind of you to say. And, um, yeah, what you were saying. Um, Did I make you guys sad? Is everyone sad now? No. <laughs> I, no, it's, I'm just <laughs> not at all. Man. 
that was powerful. No, it, it just yeah, just like what what you were saying about men specifically in your in your childhood not even being comfortable going to the doctor's office mm-hmm. really resonated with me in a weird way that I I am not going to share right now, but like it's it it's a thing and and I think like mental health is an extension of that for sure, but I'm glad to hear that you that it is top of mind for you and that you're working on that yeah. for yourself. I mean, I'm always working on it. And look, I'll tell you what, like it doesn't matter what anyone's life seems like on Instagram or like what my life seems like via you read my newsletter, or you follow me or whatever. And you think, Oh, he's got a perfect life. He does this. He's at X, Y, Z place doing whatever. It doesn't matter. Like everyone's got issues. Everyone's got challenges no one's life is perfect, and and you can't trust anything you believe on social media. It's all bullshit, you know. That's like that's, I mean, that's what I think. You know, I just don't look at that shit, and I don't judge myself on like what anyone else is doing because it's not real. I think that's that's always good to hear from people that are very much online for our jobs, and and like even for myself as, as someone that is puts a lot of myself out on on the internet. Um, I also keep a lot of stuff private uh, as well. I mean, I'm I'm the resident dad uh, of the of the show here, so you know <laughs> I can I can understand that. But I you know for me I don't I don't choose to share those things on like my Instagram page or or online yeah. just because you know that's 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 something that's just for me. It's not like I'm not looking to be a a dad blogger or you know whatever it is. <laughs> so, uh, but I I think it is important to know that uh, and that people that are that that make a living being online that um you know it's not every not everything you read and see is 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 what's going on behind behind that uh that social media handle michael let's play some golf soon man (laughs) is that it are we done (laughs) (laughs) that's it let's go right now you want to go right now I'll meet you at your house. Baby. I've got I've got no issues playing night golf. I got glow balls. <laughs> Do you want to go to Deathchester? Yo, and get killed by a golf ball. You know what? <laughs> you are the fourth per. I knew that question was coming. You're the fourth person this week that has asked me about going to Deathchester. Well, yeah, Michael, it's it's been uh, a pleasure chatting with you today. I feel also as the resident style person for the for the podcast that it's uh it's it's kind of a full circle moment since i've been reading your work for i don't know a decade or so and uh to to kind of come together over golf just is yeah it's very uh very serendipitous um you know we appreciated that you've had a friend of the show and guest sean hotchkiss uh do some writing with you and obviously he came from the fashion world as well thanks for having me it's been been great to hang with you guys and and i love what you're doing so keep it up yeah, really fun, Michael. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, we'll we'll yeah. have to get down and play some golf in LA soon. Let's do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, and then we'll fly up to Pebble the next day. It'll be perfect. <laughs> <laughs>